Hey there, and welcome to the Well Sisters podcast, the show dedicated to supporting and guiding women living with hormonal imbalances and stubborn symptoms to feel good in their bodies, build hope and confidence, and awaken their feminine power. I'm your host, Robin Strigley, certified nutritional practitioner, and these conversations will provide actionable tools and techniques to support your physical, mental, and emotional health on your journey to your highest well-being. Hello, Well Sister. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. So excited for this one today. We are talking all about improving progesterone levels naturally. This was the most requested episode topic when I was polling my Instagram community about this before I started making the first episodes. And I'm really excited about this one. I love talking about progesterone. I feel like it does not get enough recognition that it truly deserves because it's a main regulatory hormone in our bodies as women. And estrogen can often get a lot of the focus, typically in a negative way. We think estrogen is bad. You know, we have too much estrogen dominance. That term gets thrown around. Um, We go see our doctor and they just try to put us on birth control, tell us everything is normal, tell us to lose weight, maybe give us an antidepressant. But really a lot of times it's progesterone that needs the help. Many women, especially if you're living with any kind of hormonal imbalance, whether it's like a diagnosed condition of PCOS, endometriosis, you know, fibroids, whatever, or you're just dealing with individual symptoms that don't have blanket diagnosis, progesterone levels are often out of whack. If you're having uh, symptoms around your cycle, then progesterone needs to be looked at. And if you're not having a cycle, like you have absent or very irregular cycles, which is super common in PCOS especially, but in other conditions as well, also in hypothalamic amenorrhea, like there's so many different things that are going on here. We need to look at progesterone. Before I can suggest improvements, like how do we improve progesterone levels? Because you may be coming to this podcast already feeling like you know your progesterone levels need work. You know a little bit about the hormone perhaps, especially if you are trying to fix cycle problems or you are trying to conceive, you may already be aware of this, but it's important to understand not just how to fix it, but what it is, like what it does, why it's so beneficial, the signs and symptoms that you might experience if your progesterone is out of whack or if it's low, the factors that interfere with your body being able to produce enough progesterone on its own. And then we can talk about some food and lifestyle hacks for increasing progesterone production in your own body. But it is my firm belief, you know, a part of this podcast mission is to help you understand the power that you have as a woman and to really inspire hope and action. And so in order to do that, you have to understand what's going on in your own body. And you're not going to hear this from your three minute appointment uh, with your doctor. So we're going to dive into progesterone a little bit. And let's start with, you know, why it's so beneficial. As I mentioned, progesterone is very much linked with estrogen. Estrogen often gets a lot of the focus when we think about hormonal imbalances, but progesterone needs even more in my opinion. Progesterone and estrogen are sister hormones, so they're basically meant to keep each other in check. So the idea goes that If estrogen is too high, that's supposed to send a signal to the brain, which slows estrogen production, and then progesterone gets higher in very, very simple terms. So let's dive into this a little bit. Progesterone is anti-stress, anti-estrogen, anti-anxiety, pro-thyroid, pro-fertility, literally the pregnancy hormone. So progesterone comes from progest, meaning progestation, or gestation meaning 
pregnancy. So it's very important for fertility in terms of being able to get pregnant, but it's also extremely important in being able to stay pregnant once you get pregnant. Sometimes doctors will prescribe things like progesterone suppositories in the first trimester of pregnancy. Usually they only do this if there's a history of recurrent miscarriage, but I feel like it needs to be used more than that. But that's another conversation. Progesterone is also mood boosting, pro-sleep, pro-metabolic, so supporting metabolism, immune supportive, and gut supportive. Basically, it's good for just about everything and it's incredibly important and we don't really focus on or talk about this wonderful hormone enough. So how do you know if progesterone might be out of whack? And I'm going to focus here on signs and symptoms of low progesterone because often testing is very inconclusive. Progesterone is only produced after we ovulate. Okay. And so often if you go to your doctor and you ask about having progesterone levels tested or hormones levels levels tested, they will either tell you, they won't tell you a specific time of your cycle to do it. Or if they do, they'll typically recommend you go on cycle day 21 to test progesterone because their thinking is that in an average 28 day cycle, assuming ovulation happens on day 14, you'll be approximately seven days after ovulation on day 21, and that is really the optimal time to test progesterone. But even women with average 28-day cycles don't always or even ever ovulate on day 14. And so you can get results that look normal or whatever, but you really have to take that with a grain of salt. And so what I want to focus on here is signs and symptoms, things that you can feel, you can see, you can experience in your own body that would indicate progesterone levels might be problematic. So things like irregular or absent cycles, very common in PCOS and hypothalamic amenorrhea, and ovulatory cycles. Any woman can experience an anovulatory cycle. So this basically means that you have a cycle, but you do not ovulate. You'll have a bleed at the end of the cycle, but it's not a true period. It's considered a breakthrough bleed. The only way to have a true period is to ovulate during your cycle. And as I said before, the only way we produce progesterone is after we ovulate. So if you're not ovulating in your cycles, whether it happens once in a while, or you're rarely ever ovulating in your cycles, then you have low progesterone likely. Um, low or no increase in basal body temperature in the luteal phase. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're someone who tracks your basal body temperature, who tracks your period, maybe use an app for that. You may be tracking for fertility purposes or just to see where your cycle's at and when and if you ovulate. Basal body temperature can be incredibly helpful here. And so what happens with your temperature and basal body temperature is your first temperature as soon as you open your eyes in the morning. If you track this over your cycle, when you ovulate, that temperature will rise about a half a degree and stay high either until you get next your next period or if you're trying to conceive and you find out you're pregnant. So if you're not seeing an increase in the latter half of your cycle, or it's a very low shift, it's not around that half a degree, then you may be experiencing low progesterone. If your basal body temperature is lower than it needs to be in general, this is a sign of low progesterone potentially. Spotting through the cycle is another thing that some women experience and it can happen at any time during the cycle and potentially be linked to low progesterone, especially if the spotting is happening around ovulation time and then between ovulation and your next period, so in the luteal phase. Depression and anxiety 
So progesterone is very supportive to good and stable mood. So experiencing lots of anxiety or depression can be a sign of low progesterone. Breast pain or cysts, heavy, clotty bleeds or prolonged bleeds. So if your bleeding is longer than seven days, low progesterone might be part of this. Painful menstruation, so cramps, things like that, or pelvic pain in general, or pain in general through the body, especially in the case of endometriosis. Infertility, history of miscarriage, acne, brittle nails, dry or cracked skin, low libido, brain fog or memory issues, fatigue, insomnia, slow metabolism, and with that sometimes comes weight gain, migraines and headaches. So there's a lot of women that I work with who experience uh, migraines or very severe headaches at different times in their cycle. And depending on when it's happening, it could be low progesterone as well as joint pain. So those are the main ones. Like that's quite a lengthy list of things that you may or may not be experiencing that point towards progesterone levels needing a little bit of work. If we think about like, why am I not producing enough progesterone in the first place? Like what could be impacting this? Because my thought is always to go to the root cause. Why is the body not doing what it's supposed to do, right? Because a woman's body is supposed to cycle regularly. It's supposed to ovulate somewhere between 10 and 16 days prior to the next period. And then after ovulation, the empty egg sac, which is now called the corpus luteum, produces progesterone and that's what's supposed to happen but we have to think about well why isn't that happening in the first place like what is going on in my body that's preventing it from doing so so let's talk about a few of these I have three that I want to discuss today feel free to let me know if you have questions about any of this send me an Instagram DM or an email you can find uh, those links in the show notes so let's talk about three factors interfering with progesterone production. And they might not be what you think, and I'm very excited to share them with you for that reason. So number one is stress. Internal or external stress equals danger in your body. Progesterone receptors cannot transport progesterone molecules to the nucleus of the cell. So that's like the the main powerhouse of the cell in the presence of adrenaline, which is a stress hormone. So if you are experiencing stress, and it may not be what you think, right? Some people have the obvious stress of like a super busy life, financial stress, relationship issues, kids, family, a horrible boss at work, like whatever, right? Those typical things. But there's also stress like other imbalances in your body, stuff going on with your gut, medications that you might be taking now or you took in the past, you know, mental and emotional trauma, even from years ago that you might not even think about anymore. There's so many different things, toxins that we're exposed to, pollution, indoor and outdoor. There's so many different stresses. And when our body is under a state of stress, this is a danger signal to our body and it will lead our bodies to producing stress hormones like adrenaline like cortisol in excess amounts and when that happens progesterone molecules if you're producing any at all right if you've ovulated and you're producing any those molecules are not going to get to the nucleus of the cell in the presence of those hormones so you're not going to feel the amazing pro-metabolic mood boosting sleep helper whatever like all those wonderful things we talked about at the start of this episode that progesterone can help you with if you're constantly in this danger state and i created a whole course around this it's called safe you'll find it linked in the show notes and that's essentially what that course is designed to do to help your body to manage 
as many of the stressors that are relevant to you as possible so you can flip from that danger that cortisol and adrenaline production preventing your body from being able to produce and use progesterone properly into a state of safety where it can do those things. So check out the show notes. Um, Also, in terms of stress, chronically elevated cortisol levels, which is something that happens for many of us, almost all my clients for sure, inhibits a hormone called gonadotropin-releasing hormone, or GnRH. This is a brain hormone, and when cortisol levels are high, that GnRH is not being released, which prevents the release of two other brain hormones, FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, and LH, luteinizing hormone. And these are the hormones that signal your ovaries to prepare the uterus for a potential uh, fertilized egg, to mature the egg, to ovulate, to start a bleed, or to continue a pregnancy if one happens, right? And it doesn't matter whether you ever want to get pregnant, whether you're trying now or want to try later in your life, whether you're done having kids or anything in between above and beyond that. This is the way that your body works and it's important to support it because our menstrual cycles are like our fifth vital sign. It doesn't matter that you don't want children now or ever or you're done having them, right? We need to have these hormones working. So high cortisol means low or no GnRH, which prevents FSH and LH from talking to the ovaries. And so not enough of those hormones means that you're gonna have no ovulation or your ovulation is gonna be really weak remember, if you don't ovulate, you do not make progesterone. It's that empty egg sac after the egg has been released that then begins producing progesterone. So really important to manage stress. The second factor involved is blood sugar imbalance. And by the way, this one and then the next uh, factor that I'm going to talk about are both considered stresses on the body as well, right? So you'll kind of notice that when it comes to progesterone, everything comes back to is this a stress on my body? Yes. Okay. How can I manage this stress on my body in order to bring it from danger to safety so that I can produce the amount of progesterone that my body needs to function properly? So blood sugar imbalance, low blood sugar, which can happen from not eating, not eating enough, not eating frequently enough from doing fad diets like low carb or intermittent fasting type diets. There will definitely be episodes on these diets in the future because I'm just not about them. (laughs) We're not going to get into it too much on this episode. Um, But anyways, when you have low blood sugar, for whatever reason, this is a danger signal to your body. When the blood sugar goes too low, what happens is your body will produce cortisol and adrenaline, those stress hormones again, in order to signal to the body that, oh my gosh, we're in danger, we don't have enough fuel, right? Because the sugar in our blood is the fuel that our our body gets to make energy and to carry out its functions. Then it will be like, okay, we need to make our own. And the liver does this in a very incredibly complicated and stressful process. And again, right, to remind you, those progesterone receptors cannot transport progesterone molecules in the presence of adrenaline. So we have to keep our blood sugar stable in order to prevent that danger signal, prevent that stress hormone cascade so that progesterone can do what it's meant to do. The other part of this in terms of blood sugar imbalance is high insulin. Another form of blood sugar imbalance, high insulin will stimulate your ovaries to produce androgens like testosterone. That's one of the main androgen hormones many of us have heard of, but there are others. It will lower something called sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, 
And basically what this does is bind up excess hormones so that they're not floating around in the blood causing havoc. So if you don't have enough sex hormone binding globulin, you're gonna have more free floating hormones doing whatever they want in your body, which potentially could delay or prevent ovulation from happening. And again, this happens even in normal 28 day cycles. You can have a bleed every 28 days. And just because you're regular does not mean that you are ovulating. So it's very important to take a look at blood sugar. And in terms of PCOS specifically, polycystic ovarian syndrome, like insulin resistance, blood sugar imbalances are at the core of this condition. As much as it might be kind of a bugger, I feel like, you know, living with it myself, we really have to pay attention to how our blood sugar and insulin, which is our blood sugar regulating hormone, how those are really playing together and if they're working well enough so that we're not producing the wrong kinds of hormones like testosterone, that we're ovulating properly, right? So that our body's in a state of safety and not danger. So that's factor number two. And factor number three is taking hormones, hormonal birth control, like the pill, the patch, the shot, a hormonal IUD, any of that kind of stuff, or some kind of synthetic progesterone. So Provera is a very popular one. And these synthetic hormones are not true progesterone. So they're called progestins or progestogens. (laughs) and they're not true progesterones and they don't act the same as the progesterone that we make naturally. So when you use these things, whether it's the birth control format or Provera or something similar, it's gonna reduce your ability to make your own progesterone, number one. It's gonna cut off natural cycling completely in the case of hormonal birth control. So the bleed you experience on birth control is a breakthrough bleed. It totally turns off your body's natural cycling. So you're not seeing the ups and downs of things like estrogen and progesterone that you would in a normal cycle. So you're not ovulating at all on birth control. Progestins are not accepted at progesterone receptors. So the fake progesterone your body doesn't recognize it, isn't gonna use it. Progestins act like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone all in one, okay? So it's not just like you're putting more progesterone in your body to help your body. When you take these synthetic progestins, it's also gonna act like estrogen and testosterone, potentially exacerbating other symptoms. Uh, And also decreases that sex hormone binding globulin, globulin, (laughs) SHBG. Therefore, you're gonna have more free-floating hormones like estrogen and testosterone in your body. So those are the main factors, but it all really comes back to stress. Stress in terms of external factors in your life, mental emotional factors, blood sugar factors, and then taking synthetic hormones or any kind of like strong prescription medication makes it very difficult for the body to do what it's supposed to do and is even more stress on your body. So stress, 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 something that we have to really think about and consider very carefully when we want to improve progesterone levels naturally. All right, so food and lifestyle hacks for increasing progesterone. To be honest with you, like it's very, very simple. I get so many questions about this and I feel like there's a lot of focus on supplementation when it comes to improving progesterone. Like what supplements should I be taking? What herbs can I take? Should I be taking a multivitamin? Like all of these kinds of things. I'm not really gonna be talking about supplements here because if you don't have the the food and the lifestyle stuff that I'm gonna talk about in place, it doesn't matter what supplements you take or how many you take or how much it costs you to buy those supplements, right? Um, You really have to get these foundational things in place and then potentially if needed, work with a practitioner to help you choose the best supplements for you so you don't make things worse. And I've been there, done that (laughs) many times myself. Okay, so let's get into these hacks. Number one is to eat enough food. 
Many women are not eating enough food because we say, oh, we're busy, we're constantly on the go, or you wake up and you're just like, oh, I'm just not really hungry, whatever. And then you get kind of get to the nighttime and you're like binging and stuff like that. But a lot of women do not eat enough food. And certainly intermittent fasting, diets like low carb, keto, low fat, you know, whatever calorie counting, these are a recipe for not getting enough fuel for your body. The process of having a healthy menstrual cycle, which then results in more progesterone, is an energy intensive process. And if your body doesn't have enough energy, it's gonna focus on other things. It doesn't care about reproduction, right? Again, whether you're trying to have a baby or not, it doesn't care about this. It cares about surviving off the little amount of fuel that you're giving it, right? So making sure you're eating enough, this is different for everyone, but it's typically at least 2000 calories a day for women and making sure you're getting carbs, proteins, and fats with every meal. You really have to stoke the fire here, right? So you're trying to prevent your blood sugar from getting too low. You're trying to give your body adequate fuel throughout the day. So for some people, this means eating every three to four hours during the day. It is really important to eat breakfast. Super, super important. You've been fasting all night. Blood sugar stores are low, right? And if you continue to go through the morning, you haven't eaten breakfast, blood sugar is gonna lower even more and it's gonna set off that stress hormone response that we talked about before. Number two, vitamin C is so amazing for helping to increase progesterone. This is a favorite of mine because it's very easy. It's very easy to get lots of vitamin C from your diet. Think fruits, which by the way, are also really good for blood sugar balance because they don't require the same insulin response that something like a potato would and nothing wrong with potatoes, we're not hating on potatoes here. So vitamin C, getting as much vitamin C from foods as you possibly can, Google for a list, and then potentially also supplementing with vitamin C. Number three, managing stress. We have to take your body from danger to safety in whatever way that looks and feels good for you. So for example, in my experience, my stress management looks like being outside as much as possible when I can, you know, weather dependent, being in Canada here, getting sunshine on my face, yoga, moving my body, stretching, foam rolling, meditating. I love to read, so I'm always reading. And I love to read fiction as well as nonfiction because the fiction really helps me turn that brain off and stuff like that. So those are kind of my major stress managers, sex as well. Like there's so many different things um, that you can do. My safe course gives you tons and tons of ideas so you can build out your own routine but i know the things that work for me now because i've spent years trying different things and figuring out what helps me to feel my best uh number four light therapy don't underestimate the power of light the easiest of course is sunlight right getting some sunlight in the morning as soon as the sun comes out and then in the evening as the sun is going down this is going to help to regulate your circadian rhythm your sleep wake cycle and the more that we are able to signal to the brain that it's okay to have its normal rhythms the more the rhythm of your menstrual cycle will also normalize and you'll be ovulating and producing more progesterone. I also really like the added benefit of using red light therapy. So I have a red light therapy lamp that I bought. It was like 60 bucks on Amazon Canada. If I remember, I'll put the link in the show notes. And I've been sitting on, so I'm recording this episode in the beginning of May, 2021, and I've been using it since the beginning of January of this year. And I've noticed a massive benefit for me in terms of my cycles, 
Uh, also hair growth on my head because I was experiencing a lot of hair loss and then sleep, right? So sleep is really important for regulating our rhythms and you don't have to necessarily get like super expensive red light therapy devices. Like I said, I've noticed just from a $60 one on Amazon, some really good benefits and I sit under that when I have my breakfast and then I sit under it in the evening when I read. So I get that twice a day. Number five, increasing minerals. We need minerals to have healthy cycles and to improve progesterone production. So my favorite ways to increase minerals are through our food. Fruit is number one. So many amazing minerals and generally very well tolerated for most people. You can play around with different types of fruits to see what you feel best on. Coconut water is very high in potassium. Potassium is very important. We need like at least 4,000 milligrams of potassium a day, and it's very important for regulating blood sugar response. So coconut water is a really good thing there. Dairy, if you tolerate it, the better the quality dairy, very, very important. You gotta look at quality if you're gonna do dairy for sure. So uh, organic, grass-fed, raw, etc. Goat, if you don't tolerate cow, I prefer goat for my own digestion. Um, seafood and shellfish like oysters, shrimp, crab, lobster, all of that kind of stuff. Very, very high in minerals. Like even having, you know, one serving of oysters in a week is gonna give you a ton of minerals like zinc and selenium, which are super important for progesterone. So let's recap these food and lifestyle hacks. And the idea behind these is to use this for about 100 days, these kinds of interventions to see the maximum benefit because the life cycle of an egg is 100 days. And remember, we only produce progesterone after we ovulate. So we need healthy eggs in order to ovulate and produce the amount of progesterone that our body needs. So let's recap. Number one, eating enough, first of all, period. More calories, getting enough carbs, proteins, and fats. Number two, vitamin C, lots from your food, supplement if necessary, work with a practitioner like myself or someone else to figure that out for yourself. Number three, manage stress. Do anything you possibly can something every day something has to happen every single day to help your body go from danger to safety number four light therapy getting sunlight in the morning and the evening and or using red light therapy to help number five increasing minerals fruit especially so citrus fruit tropical fruit berries anything that you like coconut water is a great great drink for increasing minerals because of the high potassium content but it's also really good just for electrolytes in general dairy if tolerated really high quality dairy whatever you have access to and seafood and shellfish like oysters shrimp crab lobster things like that and that's it you can improve progesterone levels naturally very easily by being consistent in using the hacks that I've shared with you today. And also I wanna recommend that you definitely check out my SAFE course. This entire course is self-paced and is meant to address the factors making your body feel like it's in danger, right? Taking you from danger to safety by balancing your blood sugar, by giving you really nourishing foods, by remineralizing, by figuring out what works best for you in terms of managing stress and all of those things, because when your body feels safe, it will have the energy, the fuel, and the focus to do what it's supposed to do, which is have healthy, strong menstrual cycles so that you ovulate and have really strong progesterone levels. You can find all of that information about the SAFE course linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. 
Hey, well, sister, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'm beyond grateful you've shared your time with me today. And if you'd like to connect with me about this episode to share your thoughts or ask a question, I invite you to send me a DM on Instagram at the hormone diva. Then take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This helps me to know how to serve you better and helps this show reach more women in need. See you next time.